James chapter number four. James chapter number four. We're, we've been continuing through this series and we're coming to an end uh, on this series out of the book of James. I've enjoyed it. I hope you have about the authentic Christian life. And this morning, actually, the title of uh, the topic James covers in James chapter four deals with an authentic life. And, and that's what God wants us to be is a real Christian. And the thought this morning you'll see from the scripture is, what is your life? What is your life? So as we think about that, I want you to look with me this morning because we only have one life to live. And what we do with God will determine what we are able to do with that life. Let me say that again. What we do with God is going to determine what we're going to be able to do with the life that God has given to us. And, uh, you know, that Jesus asked that question when he was on this earth. He said, whom do men say that I am? Uh, and now, he was God. He knew, but he was, he was challenging his disciples. In other words, not only others, but they would make sure that they understood and had the priority about who God was. Now, uh, I, need, I, I know I need it, and I hope that you feel the same way. We need God's help to help us to live in a way that our lives bring glory to God. And sometimes, even as Christians, we get caught up in things, maybe things we shouldn't do. And I want to challenge you to live a life that's pleasing to God. Make sure that everything that you do, just like we just sang a minute ago, is, Lord, my Lord and Master, uh, we have been saved by the grace of God, and we should live a life that's pleasing to God. And so look at these verses in James chapter 4. And we'll begin in verse number 7 and read down through the end of the chapter. The Bible says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Uh, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother, and judgeth that speaketh evil of his brother, uh, and judgeth his brother, excuse me, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? I'll just stop here for a second. It's not a part of my message, but that verse is a great verse because so many times Christians become judgmental of other people, other Christians sometimes. And I'm going to tell you something. God hasn't made you or me or any Christian judge and jury over any other Christian. There is such a person known as the Holy Spirit of God that we... Now, again, there is responsibilities as far as a brother. If we see a brother that's erring, to go to them, do it in the right fashion... But I see a lot of times people wanting to judge one another, and the Bible is clear. Jesus taught on that about the, the moat and the beam that's in your own eye, and we need to be careful about that, all right? That was just free. That's not a part of the lesson this morning, but it's in the Word of God right there, all right? Verse 13, the Bible says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that. That's a great verse right there to live by, if the Lord will. In other words, 
whatever God's will is, by the way, that's always supreme, whatever that God wants. And he says in verse 16, but now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? Sin. And boy, what a convicting verse, verse 17 is. Many times that verse just slaps me in the face because, folks, if we have knowledge of something, we can't claim ignorance. And if we've been taught, and if God by His Holy Spirit or through the Word of God has shown us something, and look, then, then we can't say, well, I didn't know. In other words, if we know to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him or her, it's sin. So guess what? Even after I teach this passage, maybe it is not new to you, but if it is new to you or the understanding thereof, you can't walk out of here today saying, well, I didn't know that, all right? You can't claim ignorance. And, and if you don't do what, listen, if you don't do not what Pastor Keeley says, if you don't do what God says, then according to the word of God, it's sin, all right? So, uh, you know, again, we just want to follow the scriptures this morning, and I want to share with you what James is saying here, because in this message, I want to attempt to, uh, to answer the question that he asked in verse number 14, and look at it again. Here's the question, for what is your, what? Light. Now, I want you to see there in that verse, connect, look at the words and connect these two words. Connect the word life, and then look at the two words a little farther on, little time. Life and little time. Do you remember what it was like when you were young? <laughs> it's been so long ago. My wife and I, were, she's trying to do some decorating in the house, and she, she got out some wedding pictures, and in May it'll be 33 years. And I looked at those pictures, and I was like, wow, where has time gone? My daughter, she sent a picture, one of those pictures, my, one of my daughters, my daughter said, wow, look how skinny dad was. And I was like, thank you, appreciate it, you know. And uh, time does things to us, you know. And, and when you think about it, it, you know, life, little time. Now, certainly we could think, well, you know, I, I have 80 years, I have 70 years, 60 years. But I look around the auditorium this morning, none of us are getting any younger. Uh, all of us understand that life is little time. So how long will you be here on the earth? I mean, uh, do you think that your life will last forever? Sometimes when I go to people's doors and I talk to them about the Lord and people kind of look at me and I ask them, I'll say, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? A lot of times people's response is this, well, I don't think you can know. And the Bible says in 1 John, these things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know for sure that you're going to heaven someday. And according to Jesus, eternity is forever. But this life is not forever. We're not going to live forever. Uh, all of us ha have a birthday, and eventually we will have a death day. And that dash between our birthday and death day is that little time. You guys with me this morning? And so we need to understand this life that God is giving to us. And according to what James says here, he says it's just a vapor. He says it's here for a little while, and then it's gone. It's just a vapor. Now look, what, look how Moses addressed this in Deuteronomy 32. Look at these verses. Moses said unto them, set your hearts. Now remember, Moses was the man of God speaking on behalf of the Lord, all right? 
and this is God's words. So the Bible says here he's speaking to the children of Israel, and here's what he says to them. In other words, God is saying this to them, set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day. Look at me for a second before I finish reading. These are all the words that we, we should follow. But in that day, God's word wasn't complete. So Moses was standing there saying, look, all the words that God is testifying unto you, he says that which ye shall command your children. So look, he says, I I not only want you to pay attention to it, but I want you to teach these or command these things to your children and your children's children. In other words, the generations to come. That's still our responsibility even this day as husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, and as a church is to make sure that everybody is understanding the words, as it says here, all the words of this law. Now watch what Moses says. For it is not a vain thing for you because it is your what? Life. He says this is your life. What does our life consist of? Our life consists of knowing God's word, doing God's word, and teaching it to those that are going to come behind us. And then he goes on to say, And through this thing you shall prolong your days in the land, whether you go over Jordan to possess it. In other words, he's saying, look, God has given you the life that you have. We understand that, right? That life, the source of life is God himself. And God is saying to us through Moses and through the word of God that we shouldn't waste the life that we have. Uh, don't, don't just squander it because here's why. You can't get it back. Uh, this morning, guess what? It's already gone. Up till the time you got here for church, you can't go back and get that back. It's already water under the bridge. It's gone. We need to make the most out of the life uh, that God has given to us. And the question that you need to ask yourself this morning is kind of what Moses was saying is, are you willing to pour your life out as an offering to God. Pour your life out. You can hear the water outside just pouring down right now. And God says, look, I want you to take your life and I want you to pour it out for me. And we need to be willing to do that. The Lord drove this very same truth home to his disciples. I want you to look in your notes there in Luke chapter number 12. Look what the Bible says here as Jesus was trying to help his disciples. The Bible says, he spake a parable unto them saying, now follow the parable. Thinking about the authentic life we're talking about, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room uh, where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou what? Fool. Now watch, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich God. And he said unto his disciples, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your what? For your life, what ye shall eat, Neither for the body what ye shall put on, the life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Now, you got to understand what he's saying. I want you to look right in the middle of those verses there where he says, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. What's the very next word? 
Now, what is it? Then, now look at me for a second. Do you get what he's saying? He's saying, look, you live your life, you have all these things, you eat, drink, and be merry, and guess what? Then your life ends. And then who's going to get those things? See, that then is an important word because it encompasses all of our existence on this earth. Uh, folks, listen, a lot of times I, it's sad when you see people leave this world and the family members fight over everything that they had after they're gone. You know, I hope you've never had to do that. And listen, may God spare any of us from having to do that. But here's the thing is, is that we came into this world, as Job said, with nothing, and we're going to leave this world with nothing. But see, so many people, they, they're just like this man. Oh, I've got so much, and I don't have enough room. I'm going to tear down my barns, and he fills them up, and then he says, you know what, I'm just going to... Look, the Christian life isn't about amassing a bunch of things. We're not to be materialistic, because look, I'm going to tell you, he that dies with the most toys doesn't win. I've never seen the more junk and stuff people have does not make them happy. I've seen it time and time again. But he says, your life, this is your life. And as we stand on the threshold of eternity, and by the way, none of us know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know what we're looking back at as we stand on the threshold of eternity? The same thing that Jesus said in this parable, the then. What's going to happen then? Now look, we can't change it. But what we can do is make the most out of the life God's given to us right now. Everybody still with me this morning? It's so important to understand this. Look, the question this morning that I'm trying to drive home is this. What have you done with your life? Or what are you doing with your life? Because James says, what is your life? You know, folks that are in here that are a little bit up in years, they would understand probably the most profound thing about living is this thought. It's, it is its brevity, how short life is. Remember, life, little time. That's what James says. So look, this is why God says to the youth in Ecclesiastes 12.1, remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. He says, not when you're old. He says, remember the Lord when you're young, while the, day, while the evil days come not, nor the years when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. You know, somebody said years ago, he says, look, we need to make sure that the main thing is the main thing as early as possible in our lives, and then we need to spend the rest of our life keeping the main thing the main thing. Now, what's the main thing? It's the Lord. It's the will of God, doing the will of God. Now, certainly, look, none of us were living for the Lord probably before we got saved. But after we were saved, according to the Scriptures, from henceforth, we should be living for the Lord from that moment on. And if we're not doing that, then this morning I want to cover with you from this passage the secret of what James gives to us, or really what God gives to us, the secret on making the most out of this life. Remember this life, little time, right? So here we go. I'm going to give you five things right from James chapter 4, five ways to make the most out of this life. Look at number one. Here it is. Submit yourselves to God. Submit yourselves to God. Look at verse number seven again. He says here in verse number seven, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So when he says submit yourselves to God, what's he saying? He's saying to us 
to remember your life, to submit your life to God. Remember, pour your life out as an offering to the Lord. Look at Hebrews 12, 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which have corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Look, I, I tried to be a good son to my father when I, was, when I was younger, and there were times where I disappointed him, I failed him. But I will tell you this, as a boy, I had a fear of my father, and I was in subjection unto him. But now that I'm saved, listen, if I, if I am to obey my father here on this earth, I am certainly supposed to obey or submit myself unto my heavenly father, right? And if we want to make the most out of this life, look, that means that you and I need to yield because yielding to the Lord, you know what it means? We're being obedient children. You know what I always liked when my children were at home? I liked it when my children obeyed me. When they disobeyed me, it was not a good day in my house. It was not a good day. And God says, listen, to my children this morning, to you and I, God wants us to obey him. There was a small boy and he was consistently late for dinner. And one day his parents warned him that he better start being on time for dinner. But when he arrived that day, he was later than ever. When he came in the door, he saw that his parents were already sitting at the table and they had already started to eat. When he sat down at his place at the table, he looked down at his plate and he saw a slice of bread and a glass of water. He sat there looking at it. He was silent for a little while. He was crushed, but that's all he had on his plate. Suddenly, without a word, his father reached over and picked up his son's plate, took the plate from his place that was completely full with food, and set his plate in front of his son, and set the plate with the slice of bread in front of himself. And that boy, when he became a man, he said this, all my life, I've known what God was like by what my father did that night. And folks, we need to understand this morning that if we submit ourselves unto God, that is the life that God wants us to have. Why? Because God so loved the world. If he loved us, a lady asked me yesterday at her door, she says, this is a great thing you guys are doing, going out to people's houses. And I said, listen, there are people that do this for various reasons. You know why I'm here? Because God loves us and because he loves me so much, he's asked me to be a witness for him. That's what I told him. Well, look, folks, if we're going to make the most out of this life, remember, what is your life? The first thing you've got to do, the first key is to submit yourselves to God. That's a hard one for a lot of people because people don't like that word submission, yielding. You know, I know how most of you drive when you see that triangular sign on the road, right? For me, it doesn't mean yield, it means go, right? And so we have to understand that it's very important if we're going to make the most out of life, submit ourselves to God. Look at number two. Here's the second one. Look back at verse number seven. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Let's read the rest of the verse. Resist the devil and he will what? Flee from you. So here's the second key is as we submit ourselves to the Lord, if we're going to make the most out of this life, listen to me, God says you got to resist the devil. you got to resist the devil. God gives us this promise that if we resist the devil, guess what happens? He will. God doesn't say he might. He will flee from you. You know what we do? 
we just entertain the devil sometimes. You know, we're like, hey, pull up a chair. Make yourself at home. God says, no, 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 no. He says, as you submit yourselves, therefore, to me, then you need to resist the devil, and as you resist him, he will flee from you. The Bible, when Jesus was tempted of the devil in the wilderness, in Matthew chapter 4, the Bible says after three times that the devil tried to tempt the Lord Jesus Christ, remember the Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet he was without what? Sin. See, Jesus didn't succumb. He didn't give in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Jesus, every time, quoted scripture to the devil. That's why you need to make the most out of memorizing the word of God. So when he starts to kind of, you know, in your life, he's trying to accuse you. He's trying to jump up on your shoulder. He's trying to get you to do something. You just start quoting scripture. And according to the Bible, he will flee from you. That's what the Bible says in verse 11. When then the devil leaveth him, leaveth Jesus, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Folks, you got to remember that just like Jesus, we can resist the devil. Jesus resisted the devil. Look, I love the fact Jesus actually called out the devil. I mean, he faced off with the devil. And how did he do that? Again, with the word of God. And that's why we need to make sure that we're using the word of God. Uh, One of the men in here uh, the other day texted me and said, you know, I was looking through the scriptures in Nehemiah and I saw this and I saw how this is happening in our church and I'm glad that it is that way. Folks, listen, we need to make much out of the word of God because it, the word of God, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. God's given us a weapon to use against the devil. Scripture memory is so very important. Here's why, because scripture will equip us and scripture will enable us you know it's like uh somebody that has a gun and they load that gun listen they're ready to fire that thing you know what good is a gun if it's not loaded and you have to understand that we need to be equipped we need to be ready if we're going to fire at the devil we have to have something in the gun right you've got to listen the bible says hide the word of god in my heart that I might not sin against God. We've got to make sure that we've got the scripture. So we've got to submit ourselves and we need to resist the devil. And look, folks, we need to to load our lives with the word of God. Why? Because we're preparing to do battle. (laughs) Look, the, the, the devil is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. You know what God wants you to do? God wants you to go lion hunting, right? He wants, there's a big old ferocious lion, and the word devour means make you disappear. God would, listen, the devil would love nothing more than you would just disappear off the face of Christianity. That your life, your testimony, your witness, look, the old nature is what we're dealing with, and as the old nature, according to the word of God, lusts inside, guess what the devil's going to do? He's going he's gonna to try to lure us. We went on that fishing thing the other night. I did pretty well for about three hours, and then I started struggling. I was feeding the fish after about three hours, if you understand what I'm saying. And uh, I, was, I did pretty good for a while, but I'm going to tell you something. When we got there, uh, they started pulling stuff out, and they started putting these little buckets along the way, and, and, and it, was, it was pieces of cut-up bait, and, and, and we, we took that and put it on our hooks, and we were, dropping, we, were, we were trying to lure those fish into thinking, boy, here's a little snack for you. 
That little snack had a hook on the inside of it. And that's exactly the way the devil works is he'll, he'll dangle something in front of you. But listen, folks, you bite it and you're hooked. You know, we become a slave to that. And we need to understand that the Bible says neither give place to the devil. Don't even give the devil room in your life. And because, look, if we love Christ, as Paul said, the love of Christ constrains me. If we love Christ, what should we do? Resist the devil. And if we resist him, he will flee from us. So, look, here's the key. If we're going to make the most out of this life God's given to us, because it's a little time, we've got to submit ourselves to God. We've got to resist the devil. I'm just following scripture. Look at verse number eight. It says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Here's the four, third one. Draw nigh unto God. Draw nigh unto God. Now, you know what that means. Get closer to God. Draw nigh to God. Look, God doesn't want you to be far away from Him. God wants you to commune with Him, to be close to Him. So many times, look, when we have sin in our lives, guess what happens? Think back in the Garden of Eden. Remember God would come down to walk with man in the cool of the garden? And then there was a day when He came down and He's looking around for Adam. And what's Adam doing? Anybody remember? He's hiding. He's distanced from God. I mean, all the other days, it doesn't say that, but look, if you would just allow me a little leverage this morning, I, I, here's kind of how I would think of it. God comes down, and before God says one thing, here goes, here comes Adam, hey God, it's good to see you. Hey, let me tell you about what happened yesterday. Oh, I'm so glad to see you, God. Boy, I love you. I missed you. But then that one day came where they sinned against God. And now instead of running to God, wanting to be with God, drawing nigh to God, he's hiding in the bushes. He's taking some fig leaves. He's trying to cover himself up. Why? Because he's just like Achan in, in the Bible. He's trying to cover up his sin. He's trying. Look, folks, that's what sin does. But when there is no sin, when we have resisted the devil, we don't let sin in, guess what happens? We can draw nigh to God. And if you want to make the most out of this life, here, here's what James says. He says, draw nigh unto God. The question this morning is, do you want God's blessing in your life? And if you want God's blessing, how is that possible? Here it is, with clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands and a pure heart. Now I want you to look at, because Psalm 24, verse 3 and 5, 3 through 5, the Bible says there, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? You understand, it's talking about in the presence of God, right? Who, who, who can, now look, you understand, God's a holy God, right? God says, I am holy, therefore be ye holy. So the, the psalmist says, who is going to ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who will stand in his holy place? And then he answers it, look at it. He that hath what? Clean hands and what? <coughs> a pure heart. Who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he, the one with clean hands, pure heart, shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Do you want to have a blessed life? Absolutely. Have clean hands and a pure heart. God says we need to make sure we can't draw close to him if we're engaged in an activity that's not pleasing to God. Remember, your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Folks, listen, God doesn't go to the bar. God doesn't go to uh, places of, of ill repute. Uh, God doesn't go to places where people are sitting around uh, cursing and swearing. God doesn't go to those places. Why? Because God is holy. God doesn't mingle with those types of things. 
And we need to understand that we cannot play games with God. I mean, we, many times we, we play games with others, but you're never going to pull one over on God. We need to understand that God's desire for us is God wants to bless our lives. How many of you believe that God wants to bless your life? Okay, right? You're his child. But here's the key. The blessings of God, it's up to you and me. It's up to us to draw nigh to him. Now, the principle that I'm talking about this morning is this matter of clean hands, pure heart, is something that the Lord will help us with. Look, there's no, there's no spiritual bar of soap that I can go wash my hands and be clean of it. God will help us to have a clean hands and pure heart. Matter of fact, that's why he's given us his word, is so we can read it and we can understand how God wants us to have clean hands. What are we talking about? We're talking about separation from this world and being separated unto God. There's plenty of things in the scriptures. The principle is that when it comes to living our lives, here's what God wants you and I to do. God wants us to always, not sometimes, always take the high road. Now, what is the high road? The high road is to pursue Jesus. The low road is to pursue this world. We need to make sure that we're pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, don't let your life, your vapor, with, uh, be something that you, you just want to do whatever it takes to, just to get by. Look what Psalm 89 says, remember how short my time is. How short my time is. So look, the key is submit yourselves to the Lord if we're going to make the most out of this life. Resist the devil. The third key is that we need to draw nigh to God. What's the fourth one? Well, look at verse number nine back in our passage. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Now you say, what in the world is this? Well, the fourth one is be afflicted and mourn. What is that talking about? That's talking about repentance. God says, look, if there is something in your life, remember, clean hands, pure heart, right? This is talking about a cleaning of our lives. The idea here by James is to fear God and to forsake sin. That's what God says to us, to fear God and forsake sin. It's a yielding to God, and it's, look at one of the men prayed this morning, it's a turning to God. Now, folks, if, we, if there's no sin in our lives, guess what we're doing? We're walking with God. That, the message this morning is going to be a little bit about that, walking with God. But many times what happens is because of sin, we're not walking with God. And we need to see this morning, James is trying to help us understand that as we understand our lives, that we need to repent of sin, we need to turn. Well, guess what? Look at Jer uh, Jeremiah prayed in Lamentations 5. Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned, renew our days as of old. Now, what was Jeremiah saying here? Jeremiah was saying, Lord, turn my life. Uh, I'm, I, wanna, I want my life to be lined up with your life, with your will. God, show me what you want me to do, because folks, I'm going to tell you, the only place to be happy is in the center of God's will. That's the only place you're going to be happy. And Jeremiah is praying and he says, Lord, help me to be lined up. In other words, if I'm going one way and God's going another, then I want to turn around. And he says, turn me. I want to be going the way you're going. Look at Psalm 80, 80 this morning. Turn us again. Notice, 
there had been another time, and he says, Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts, cause thy face to shine. Now, folks, look, if you're going, look here for a second. Let's say God's over here, all right? And we're going in this direction, which is what the scriptures say, and because he's praying, Lord, turn us. God, turn us. And so watch, if I turn, now I'm facing God, and his face is shining on me. We can't have God's blessing. God's face isn't going to shine on us if we're going in the opposite direction of God. That's why we need to pray, Lord, help me. Uh, and how's that going to happen? Only through repentance. That's why James says, be afflicted and mourn. In other words, are you sick of your sin? Are you tired of going in a different direction from God? He says, you need to turn yourself. Again, do you want God's blessing on your life? The only way to have that blessing is to be afflicted, to repent of your sin. And that's one of the keys. If you're going to make the most out of this life, you've got to repent of your sin. So submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. The third one is draw nigh to God. The fourth one, be afflicted and mourn. And here's the last one. The last key is humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Verse number 10. The Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Now I've seen in my own life and in other people's lives, and I've read accounts where God has humbled someone. All right, maybe you have too. Maybe God's done that in your life. But the, but the question here is not how does God humble me, it's how do we humble ourselves? Because look at the verse again. He says, humble yourselves. How do we do that? Well, God gives us an example in the Word of God. Look in Philippians chapter 2. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, made, him, made himself in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So here's a great example for us, is how do we humble ourselves? We, we follow the example that Jesus gave to us, and God desires for us, you and me, to have the mind of Christ. If we have the mind of Christ, then guess what? If we start thinking, and again, I don't necessarily ascribe to a lot of things that even they come out with that, that are kind of little catchphrases, but I do like the thought they came out with years ago, what would Jesus do? And if we start living our lives thinking, okay, I'm going to do this, but what would Jesus do? Would he do that? And if we have, with our conscience, clear conscience, can't answer that, then there's probably a good chance we shouldn't do that. And, and we need to see this this morning to humble ourselves. What mind do you have? Do you have the mind of Christ? He humbled himself. He became a man without ceasing to be God, and he was willing to go to the cross for people, listen, sinners, just like you and me. Jesus was willing to, to do all of that. He suffered the humiliation that really we deserve to suffer. Jesus went through that, and he lived a humble life. What does the Bible say? Look at Proverbs 16. Better it is to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. See, folks, the evidence of our humility goes to this thought. It will be our obedience or our disobedience. Are you obeying God? Are you disobeying God? I find that sometimes people obey God, they do something because they're told, 
but they really don't delight in it. I like what the psalmist said. He says, I delight to do thy will. You know, nobody has to force me to come to church. Well, my, my wife makes me come because I'm the pastor. But outside of that, understand this morning, I don't, I don't have, somebody doesn't have to force me to get up on Sunday to come to church. I'd love to come to church. I'd love to spend time with God. I'd love to get in the Word of God. I'd love to hear His thunder outside, all right? So it's so important to see that the evidence of our humility is this. Are we obeying? Are we disobeying? Look what Jeremiah said. But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people, and walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well unto you. Now, did you notice? It's God's words. Jeremiah recorded it, but here's what he says. Look at it. He says, Obey my voice, and I will be your what? I'll be your God. And then he says, If you do these things, you walk in my ways, he says, it will be well with you. You want a life that's pleasing to God? You want God's blessing? He says, here's how you do it. Obey God. See, we only have a little time on this earth. The psalmist said in Psalm 39, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. How frail I am. Life is, is short. It's little. And whether or not we're humbling ourselves, again, is evidence whether or not we are obeying to do what God wants us to do. The psalmist said in Psalm 90, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. I told a couple the other day that I was spending some time with, I said, I, I've got a friend and I don't know why maybe some of these verses this morning might have prompted this, but here's what he did. And you're welcome to do it. There's, I mean, I, I've never even thought about doing it, but it is an interesting concept. He got a, a glass bowl and he put it on top of his dresser in his bedroom. And I don't know how old he was at the time, maybe, maybe in his mid-30s. And he thought to himself, you know, if, if God lets me live three score and ten years, that's how many years? Seventy. And so he thought, you know, if God lets me live 70 years, that's, I've got 35 more years to live. Remember, you can't go back and get what's in the past. So he thought, you know, I want to make the most, but I want to be reminded of making the most of the life that I have. So what he did was he went and bought 35 marbles, and he put those marbles in that glass bowl. And every day he takes a marble out. So the glass bowl just keeps getting more and more empty. And the less marbles that he sees, it's a constant reminder about the life that he's living. Folks, you and I need to be remembered, remembering the life that we have. I don't know if I want to be thinking about how short time is getting, because the truth is, we don't know how long God's given to us, but I, I, I live every day thinking of that very thing. Lord, help me to do it. How do we do that? How do we make the most out of that life? James given us five great ways here this morning. And I hope you wrote them down. I hope you think about them. And I hope, you, I hope this will be a, a special place in the Bible because if we're going to have an authentic life, we've got to submit ourselves to God. We've got to resist the devil. We've got to draw nigh to God. We've got to repent to God. And then we need to humble ourselves and obey God. And if you want to bless life, even if it is a little time, there's your formula right there from the Word of God. Let's pray. Lord. Thank you for the Word of God, the encouragement we receive from it. And Lord, it's not a negative thing, Lord, thinking, oh, life's almost over. 
Matter of fact, it's just the opposite. It's a positive thing for Christians to think, Lord, thank you for the life that you've given to us. And I want to spend it living for you and with you. Now bless, Lord, bless the word of God this morning to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.